roughly the first 18 centuries of Christianity, uh, moral theologians and, and theologians in general had to deal with an economy that was essentially zero-sum because it was based on agrarian um, and, and land and, and very, uh, very scarce resources. And therefore, in that environment, um, to hoard possessions or to uh, use more than you really needed was to take away from the poor. But, you know, for the last two centuries at least, uh, that's no longer how economies work. It's not zero-sum. It's based on productivity and exchange, and it doesn't mean that someone is rich because of the expense of, of the poor. Uh, the pie may not be divided evenly, but that's, that's a different kind of issue. The, the point is, is that um, I need not be affluent because I've harmed someone else. Welcome to another edition of Radio Free Acton. This is the podcast of the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty. My name is Mark Vandermoss, pleased to be your host once again on the podcast of the Acton Institute. That voice you heard there at the top of the podcast belongs to Brent Waters. Brent is a professor at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary, author of a book called Just Capitalism, and it was that book that brought him to speak with us last October at the Acton Lecture Series. We Recorded an interview with him then, and uh, we're pleased to present it today here on Radio Free Acton. Before we get to that, though, I want to highlight a couple of events coming up on the Acton Institute events calendar. You can, of course, find our calendar at acton.org. There's a tab at the top of the page labeled Events, and everything that we're doing is uh, posted right there. And you can register for upcoming Acton Lecture Series events, uh, including this one on April 9th here at the Mark Murray Auditorium, the Acton Building in downtown Grand Rapids, Michigan. Pastor Christopher Brooks is going to be with us talking about the church and the moral mandate of economics. He's going to discuss the role that the church plays in a market-based economic system and examining uh, those moral imperatives that we we, uh, derive from Scripture and Christian social thought that help us to build an economy that allows for flourishing and ensures justice for all. Uh, Pastor Brooks comes to us from Detroit, Michigan. He's the senior pastor of Evangel Ministries, which is a thriving church Right in the heart of Detroit, he's also campus dean at Moody Theological Seminary in Plymouth, Michigan, Uh, hosts a radio show in Detroit. He's the author of a couple of books. He's a great guy, a longtime friend of the Acton Institute. We hope you'll join us on April 6th right here at the Acton Building in downtown Grand Rapids, Michigan. Head to acton.org slash events to register for that one. And also, of course, I want to let you know, Acton University coming up once again for 2017. I believe this is the uh, 11th year, 11th year of Acton University. Uh, We've been doing it for quite a while. We're very good at it by now. I say that humbly as a member of the Acton Institute staff. We put on a good conference. But Acton University is is probably uh, the most important event on our yearly calendar here at the Acton Institute. We take over the convention center in downtown Grand Rapids, Michigan for the better part of a week. Uh, This year, June 20th through the 23rd, we will be exploring the intellectual foundations of a free society, bringing in a great faculty from around the world and uh, participants as well from all over the place. You will have an opportunity to interact with people from all over the world and to uh, discuss these important topics about how to build and maintain a free and virtuous society with really a world-class faculty from all over, from many different disciplines and a great uh, deal of people from all over the world participating in this conference. It's it's a great experience. We can't encourage you enough to head to Acton.org, uh, actually university.acton.org, for all the information about the conference, both costs, financial aid, 
Uh, all the course uh, listings are already posted, so the schedule is up. You'll be able to see a little bit about what you'll be able to glean from this conference, and we hope that you will take the time to consider it. Maybe consider registering and joining us this summer, June 20th through the 23rd. You're in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan for Acton University. It's a great conference, and we hope to see you there. With that said, let's uh, take some time to talk with Brent Waters of Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary, and uh, let's ask him about just capitalism here on Radio Free Acton. Well, we are here uh, back again on Radio Free Acton, the podcast of the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty. And of course, Acton was founded by uh, a Catholic priest uh, who was concerned about a lack of good economics education in uh, theological training. And so we're always thrilled to have uh, a seminary professor with us who understands economics. Uh, you're you're kind of like the, the white whale, the one that we always search for. Uh, Brent Waters is with us. He is the Jerry and Mary Joyce Stead Professor of Christian Social Ethics and Director of the Jerry L. and Mary Joyce Stead Center for Ethics and Values at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary. And Brent, uh, first of all, thank you for joining us today. It's great to have you here in uh, Grand Rapids with us. It's my pleasure. Well, you are here today talking uh, about capitalism. And so whenever uh, we have a, a seminary professor and a theologian who, who is explicitly talking about capitalism and has, in fact, written a book about it, you wrote a book called Just Capitalism, uh, the question is, how did you become interested in that particular topic as a theologian? What was the, what was the, the catalyst for your thinking on that issue? Well, initially I started thinking out, what does it mean practically to um, exercise the preferential option for the poor? And the more I studied, the more I kept going back to globalization because it actually has a pretty good track record of lifting uh, millions of people out of dire poverty on a global scale as well as helping to create a global middle class. But the more you looked at globalization, the more I realized, well, you also have to then defend capitalism because contemporary globalization is a capitalist uh, enterprise. So it's a package deal. If you're going to defend globalization, you have to defend capitalism. And that means that basically what I'm arguing is globalization and capitalism are good news for the poor, at least at this particular point in history. Now, that's an interesting, an interesting position to take because I, I would imagine, uh, and you can you can fill me in on this in, in your career as a, as an academic. Uh, are you a relative rarity among your your peers? Uh, have you found a lot of people who agree with you, or do you receive a lot of pushback for that sort of a, a thesis? Oh, I think some of, some of my colleagues in academia just simply dismiss me as crazy. <laughs> um, some are are rather baffled. How can I be a Christian and, and argue this? But what has surprised me is how so many have said, I've just remained silent over the years. Really? Yeah. That really, that really I understand markets are kind of important and work is important. And we've tried some other systems to do it and they've all failed. And despite the, the problems that come with capitalism, it works. Just just out of curiosity, too, extending on that question a little bit, the, the opposition that you receive, the, the pushback, do you find a lot of well-reasoned pushback to it, or or do you think that there's a, a sense in which people uh, sort of have a ca- category for, for capitalism and for markets and for that sort of economic thing where that's just, we're, we're just obviously opposed to that uh, because it's uh, almost self-evidently dirty? I think there's two kinds of pushback. One One is what I would call ideologically driven, that if it's capitalist, it is by definition then exploitive and evil. 
even though there's no reasons given for why that is necessarily the case. So that's what I call an ideological uh, pushback. And that's awfully hard to counter because you can't really offer counterfactual information because everything then com- becomes an interpretive mode where their reply is, well, you would say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> the other one, I think, is simply a, a lack of understanding of how markets work and therefore a reluctance to really delve into saying what, what are the virtues of the marketplace that we could use for good purposes and also a kind of discomfort of talking about money and wealth as somehow being unseemly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's unfortunate because I think, you know, uh, attending to the material well-being of people is central to the Christian uh, gospel. Uh, we That is important. And I think that uh, we need not be have that reticence to talk about it. So I find the second kind of pushback at least easier to deal with because then you can actually engage in conversation and, and begin to ask the question, why do, why do you think this way? When, when you talk about uh, the idea that that sense that uh, engaging in business or making money, profit, things like that are sort of uh, faintly dirty, uh, it, it is there, there was something that you said in your in your lecture today. You're here, of course, today for the Acton Lecture Series speaking on this topic. Um, and you, you mentioned that uh, one of the problems that we face in, in Christianity is that a lot of our thinking about economic issues, about uh, you know, the, the process of building wealth and, and, uh, and, and engaging in commerce, and these, a lot of these issues were dealt with and, and were really thought through prior to the development of the modern economy based on exchange. So talk, if you could, a little bit about what sort of economics Christian theologians were dealing with prior to the modern era and how the thinking that they came up with might bump up against uh, sort of modern understandings of economics uh, in in the context of a market economy. Yeah, well, for roughly the first 18 centuries of Christianity, uh, moral theologians and and theologians in general had to deal with an economy that was essentially zero-sum because it was based on agrarian um, and, and land and, and very, uh, very scarce resources. And therefore, in that environment, um, to hoard possessions or to uh, uh, use more than you really needed was to take away from the poor. So you really did prosper at the expense of someone else, and, and hence the bulk of the tradition was saying this was wrong. And therefore, the great need for charity, but almost to the extreme point that some, some of the teaching... Uh, Really began to suggest that through almsgiving you could buy grace, because it was it was compensation. But you know, for the last two centuries at least, uh, that's no longer how economies work. It's not zero sum. It's, it's based on productivity and exchange, and it doesn't mean that someone is rich because of the expense of, of the poor. Uh, the pie may not be divided evenly, but that's that's a different kind of issue. The, the point is, is that um, I need not be affluent because I've harmed someone else. And people who are poor are not there because they were harmed necessarily. And that's where I think uh, much of Christian theology just has not taken that into account and therefore revisited the tradition to say, what can we glean from this, but in a different set of, of, of circumstances? And that's why I, uh, I think, again, a lot of the ideological reaction by academics is, is a very uncritical appropriation of the tradition they claim to represent 
But you end up then not really offering very helpful advice because one thing that you can say when the push-up is saying all these all these evil things is to ask, what would you prefer? There's the old saying that uh, free markets or capitalism is the worst of all possible economic systems except for all the other economic systems. Uh, wh- one of the things, though, you mentioned charity as well. One of the benefits of having an economy, the modern exchange economy, and the the the, uh, the attendant explosion in wealth that has gone along with it is it offers so many more opportunities for people who before never would have had an opportunity to engage in charity to do so and for people who in 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 the past would have had the resources to do it to do it on a level that perhaps has never been dreamed talk a little bit about the 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 ability of all Christians and the necessity for Christians to be involved in charity and in with with what we've been given here because we've been given so much yeah and i and i think it's 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 at two levels i mean at at, at the most basic level a charity is a response to immediate need and i mean i think i think it is a uh, an imperative of christian uh, ethics that when people are hungry you you feed them when when they're naked you clothe them uh, when they're sick you 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 care for them but that's not a long-term solution, uh, and therefore I think part of what charity builds upon is the notion then how do you enable the people then that you're assisting not to be perpetually dependent upon you? Because I think perpetual dependence on the well, well intentions of others is actually kills the soul. What you really want to build is, is reciprocity. And it, it's, it's, uh, I think there's also an aspect where if you look at another person as simply a uh, a receptacle for your charity, uh, 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 an open mouth to feed, in, in a sense, you're denying them their humanity. The fact that that they in fact have capability and capacity given to them by God, and and perhaps charity, in 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 a sense, should be looked at more as a way to foster the gifts of others. In in addition to meeting their immediate needs, I think that's true, and I think that one of one of the unintended consequences is that we inadvertently, oftentimes. Uh, transform the people we think we're helping into a project, and I, I think that's inherently dehumanizing. It's it's rare. I, th- I think what you need to really um, wish for is the goal that eventually these people will not need me. Talking with uh, Brent Waters here of the uh, Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary, talking about his book and his uh, Act and Lecture Series speech, which uh, was uh, shared the title "Just Capitalism." And talk a little bit about your book. Uh, you you gave a little bit of a thumbnail sketch of what's what's in there. I think we've covered some of it here today, but uh, just give people a little bit of a teaser as to what they can expect when they're reading Just Capitalism. Well, actually, the title's purposely ambiguous. You can read it one of two ways. It's either Just Capitalism, deal with it, <laughs> or uh, you can read it as, uh, well, no, it's Just Capitalism. That would have been a good subtitle, Just Deal With It. That's, you I could. Like that. You could. Um and, and in some ways, I don't mind if the reader reads it that way because Scripture enjoins us to be wise as serpents, and you, you need to deal with the system. But I'm really tr- I was really trying to write it from the system that actually I think capitalism can be ordered in a just manner. And uh, uh, the, the quick, quick and dirty version of it is basically um, the first part is saying why exchange is necessary. Because in the absence of exchange, I think life would be pretty miserable. So you've got to attend to the material well-being of people. And market-based exchange is the best way to attend to the material well-being of the greatest number of people. So that's the first part. But the second part is saying, okay, uh, exchange is necessary, but it's not sufficient. It also has to enable human flourishing. And that's not directly exchange, because exchange means what's yours becomes mine, what's mine becomes yours. But humans flourish in a a condition of koinonia, 
which can be translated as communion, community, communication. And it's through the communication of goods rather than the exchange of goods that I think we flourish. And what I mean by that is in communicating the goods of creation, what is yours and what is mine becomes ours. So this happens in things like families, churches, voluntary associations. But you have to have that, first of all, the stability of the material well-being of people being met. So it's absolutely dependent upon good exchange. And that's what the second part of the book is to say. How do you order society in a way that attends to the material well-being, but also enables material or, or enables uh, flourishing as well as addressing the material well-being? It's a great uh, resource because it's it's so often that you you will run into the argument essentially that there is no such thing as just capitalism that the system is inherently unjust by by virtue of of just existing and so it's it's a great resource uh, for people to be able to pull together those arguments that say no this is a system that does have its flaws and and any system will but it can be ordered well the book is called just capitalism. A Christian Ethic of Economic Globalization. And as we record this, I have to note, it's uh, it's uh, about 55% off on uh, for the Kindle version on Amazon. So now's the time to run out and pick it up. Um, but uh, Brent Waters uh, has been with us here on Radio Free Acton. And Brent, it's been great to have you here at uh, the Acton Institute. Thanks so much. And uh, we wish you well in your work at Garrett. Thank you. And with that, we draw another edition of Radio Free Acton to a close. Thanks again to Brent Waters, uh, Jerry and Mary Joyce Stead, Professor of Christian Social Ethics at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary. Uh, Garrett's uh, located in Evanston, Illinois, and uh, uh, we are so glad that Brent made the trip up the road to Grand Rapids to speak at the Acton Lecture Series and took the time to talk with us here on Radio Free Acton. want to thank you as well for listening. Uh, thanks for subscribing as well to uh, Radio Free Acton. If you haven't done so, you can Uh, Do that by clicking on the link uh, here on uh, the podcast website uh, to head over to iTunes and subscribe. And uh, if you know anyone else who might be interested in what we talk about here at the Acton Institute, who might be interested in how to build a free and virtuous society, well, that's what we do here at Acton, and we hope you'll introduce those people to us. And uh, sending them a link to subscribe to Radio Free Acton is a great way to introduce them to the work and the uh, views of the Acton Institute. So please do so. Uh, And uh, we hope that you will join us again for future editions of Radio Free Act. And thanks once again for listening. I'm Mark Vandermoss. It's been a pleasure to talk with you this week. We'll see you again on later editions of Radio Free Acton.